Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series on the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Jesus Came to Make Us Rich, Part 1, preached on August 17, 1997. Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, 19 through 24, Treasures in Heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Treasures in heaven. I want you to understand that this word is spoken not to the pagans, but to God's people. According to Jesus, every person has treasures. Every person is rich. The vast majority has riches on earth. Their riches may leave them while they live. Certainly they must leave their riches when they die. The purpose of Christ's incarnation that his coming into the world is to make the elect poor rich in Christ. That they may have treasures not on earth but in heaven. Jesus came to teach us that true wealth as the old Puritan Thomas Fuller said is that which we store in heaven. And it comes from spending our time, talents, and material riches for heavenly purposes. What we invest in ministering to others is the true capital laid away in God's heavenly bank. Jesus came to teach us that only one thing is needful. And that is not money, but communion with God and service to him. He came to teach us that it is an utter impossibility for us to be a slave to God and to a slave to money at the same time. It is an impossibility because these two masters make totalitarian demands 
money stands for anything in the world. Spouse, children, friends, parents, toys, self, artworks, power, honor. Anything in the world from which one receives one's main or total satisfaction in life. Jesus came to teach us this. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Jesus came to teach us this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Those who are rich in this world, are poor toward God. Yea, they are enemies of God. Every sinner is lost. He is poor. Yet Christ came down from heaven to make the poor lost sinners rich in God. So listen to what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus became poor. Jesus became sin bearer. Jesus, who knew no sin, became a sin offering for us. He became poor and cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He became poor so that we, through his poverty, through the cross, might be justified and enjoy the true riches of fellowship with God, communion with God. Let me ask you, where are your riches? In the world? In the stock market? In your education? In your health? In your beauty? In your position? In your friends? Are your riches in the world? Or are your riches in heaven? You must examine yourselves this morning. In your communion and service to the true and living God, do you find your riches? Let me assure you, soon you and I will die. And you and I must part from all our riches in the world. It is appointed for man wants to die. And then comes the judgment. Think about it. But let me first say, money is not evil. Money is necessary. 
What is evil is the love of money, a slavery to money. What is evil is greed and covetousness. The word mammon is an Aramaic word which meant originally wealth. And later it came to mean that which is entrusted for safekeeping. And then in the evolution of language that word came to mean that in which man trusts. It came to mean a God. What Jesus condemns is our heart attitude toward money, toward wealth, toward material things. Money, like sex, is neutral. But if you look upon money as God, then it is idolatry and we are its slaves. Money rules us making totalitarian demands upon us. An unbeliever is a slave of money and other perceived riches of the world. Yet let me tell you, one can have great riches without it being our God. In fact, the Bible says, God himself gives us riches. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, we read this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he sowed to your forefathers as it is today. So notice, God is the one who gives us wealth. Abraham was rich and he was called a friend of God and yet he did not serve wealth. Job was rich and we find out he did not serve his wealth but he trusted in his God. Joseph was rich and yet he did not serve money to live and God provides us with money. See, he had money, but he didn't serve money. God gives us money. He must give us money. He told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And he gives us money and we use it to meet our every need. Not only that, look at private property. The idea of private property in the Bible. Private property is biblical because there are a number of commandments that governs private property. Look at uh, commandment number eight, which says what? You shall not steal. In other words, I am not to steal your property and you are not to steal my property. Also commandment number 10 governs the private property. You shall not covet somebody else's property. Not only that, God commands us to provide for our families. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. And the Bible says, if we do not provide for our families, we are worse than pagans. Beyond that, God commands us to save for retirement. And not look to the government to take care of us. Or to anybody else to take care of us. Yes, he commands us 
to work and make money and to save for our own retirement. And in Proverbs chapter 6, God tells us to go to the ant and study how the ant is working very, very hard and storing up food for the winter. And the Bible also says it is proper for parents to save money and give it to their children. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 14, after all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Beyond all these divine requirements, God commands us and gives us the privilege to help the poor and support the work of the kingdom of God with our money. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and let's read what St. Paul is saying when he was given support by the Macedonians. Philippians 4, 15. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And when we preached about the priesthood of all believers and we said we also have some sacrifices to offer to God and one of these sacrifices of course is providing money for the kingdom work turn with me to Luke chapter 8 and there we see some rich women who were followers of our Lord Jesus Christ Jesus Christ didn't have money. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then the question is, how did Jesus receive his support? But here there is the biblical reference in terms of how he was supported. Luke 8 and verse 2 and 3. Mary, from whom seven demons had come out, followed Jesus. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. In other words, these were people who gathered together their monies and supported Jesus Christ and his disciples. Look at the early church. They used money to support the poor in the congregation. The book of Acts chapter 4, and we read this several times. What I'm trying to say to us is money is necessary for various purposes, including the supporting of God's work. 
Acts chapter 4 and verse 34 and following, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So then the point is, money is not evil. Money is necessary. Money is provided to us by God himself. However, we must realize that we do not own our wealth. It is a very difficult idea for us to understand. We do not own our wealth. We are merely stewards, custodians of the wealth that actually belongs to God. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Therefore, as stewards of God's money, we receive it from him and spend it for God's glory and by his direction. Now think about that. We think we have total freedom to use our money and buy what we want and spend the way we want and give the way we want. We have no authority to do so. It belongs to God and we must go to God and hear from him before we use the money that he has entrusted to us. Secondly, let's look at the danger of materialism. All materialism is atheistic. There is no Christian materialism. There is no spiritual materialism. All materialism is atheistic. Materialism is the worship of creation. It is the denial of the true and living God. And we notice the Pharisees loved money. They were materialists. Even though they believed in the supernatural for all practical purposes, the Pharisees were like the Sadducees. They were materialists. All materialism... Dr. John Stott said, all materialism tethers our heart to this earth. But listen to the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity. Everything is meaningless. Everything is vanity. He who tries to find ultimate satisfaction... In the things of this world will be frustrated. Vanity, meaningless here means these things are transient. They are unenduring. Materialism ultimately is meaningless and frustrating. It is without transcendence. It fails to satisfy us who are created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus says here in Matthew 6, 19 through 24, moth will destroy our riches. One of the riches of the ancient world was expensive garments. But the larvae of moth made these expensive garments holy, that is, full of holes. Moth destroyed them. 
The rich man of the ancient world stored also a lot of grain in his barn. And you read that in Luke chapter 12. But the grain were eaten by rats and other animals. He suffered loss. The word rust here in this passage actually in Greek it is brosis means eating. It does not mean rust. It means eating. So the idea here is that the grain that is stored up in the barns are eaten up and consumed by rats and other animals and so he suffers loss. The rich man of ancient times also had precious metals like gold and silver. But thieves came while the owner was away or sleeping and dug a hole through the clay wall and took them away. The idea he suffered a loss and total frustration. Yes, the richest of man has a way of disappearing. The moth, the rats, the thieves of inflation, higher and higher taxes, devaluation of currency. You wake up in the morning and your money went down in value 20%. Confiscation by government, bank failures, business failures, and the government taking of your land, calling it wetlands or some name, and say, well, you cannot do anything with that land. The wealth develops wings. Now you see it, and now you don't. It flies away. And St. Paul says it calls riches uncertain riches. The danger of materialism. What is the danger? It is that we begin to love it. Our hearts loves it. The love of money. Paul says it's the root of all evil. Not money, the root of all evil. The love of it. The worship of it. To consider money as the highest value in the whole world. That's idolatry. That's worship of creation rather than creator who is blessed forever. Your heart loves it and not God. You serve it and not God. It becomes once God. It becomes mammon. Let me tell you, those who love money suffer great pain. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me read to you from verse 9 and 10. People who want to get rich, they want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The danger of materialism, destruction, ruination, pain. And not only that. It causes people to become arrogant. They all are making money, but it causes the individual to become twisted and perverted. It's amazing how, and they don't even recognize that it has happened. 
arrogance. Look at 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And not only that, when we look upon money as our greatest wealth, it deceives us. The Bible speaks about the deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth can deceive a person into false security. So Jesus says concerning the number three soil. That worry and deceitfulness of riches and pleasures. Choke them. And causes them not to mature. Wasting away. Your money lulls you and mesmerizes you into thinking that everything is okay. You do not need to trust in God. Money, the new God, will save you. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Now let me read a little bit from chapter 12. What is Jesus Christ saying to people who thought life consists of material wealth Luke 12 and beginning with verse 13 someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me Jesus said man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you then he said to them watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions and he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop he thought to himself what shall I do I have no place to store my crops then he said this is what I'll do I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself you have plenty of good things laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry but God said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God you see it deceives you and you read Luke chapter 16 the parable of the dives and Lazarus the rich man and Lazarus and we are told he was a rich man. He dressed in purple and lived in luxury every day. And he died. And he went to hell. Or oh, read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. The message to the church. They were deceived. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to them. This is the message. You say you are rich and you have need of nothing. And listen to what Christ says. But you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. It's amazing how money causes us to be these things. Especially it makes us blind. The danger of materialism. The eye becomes diseased. It is full of cataracts of worldliness. So one perceives no true reality. He has blurred vision. And like the person in the Bible, he sees men as trees walking. 
He pretends he sees correctly. He thinks he is rich toward God. And yet he goes to hell. He hears the awesome word. You did not serve me. You worked iniquity. Depart from me. They were darkened in their spiritual understanding. Their eye was not single and healthy. They were double-minded and became unstable. They did not fix their eyes on Jesus. They fixed their eyes on worldly riches, honor, and fame. They did not receive understanding of the true nature of the riches of the kingdom of heaven. To them, Jesus appeared to be just a man, a teacher of ethics, a Samaritan, a demonized man, a false prophet, rather than the Christ, the son of the living God, who came to make the poor rich in God through the cross. Danger of materialism. They are proud of their riches. Yet they did not realize they were slaves to riches. They did not realize they had no freedom. Show me a rich man who is not a believer in Jesus Christ. I will show you a slave. They did not control their riches. The riches control them. They thought they were serving God and God blessed them with lots of money. They claimed to be nearest to God because of their abundance not at all God was their enemy imagine the terrible condition of a worldly rich man slave to riches enemy of God and the wrath of God abides on him and what Jesus is saying here is he suffers total and absolute loss in the last day it is Jesus Christ himself who came and told us what does it profit If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, he said. The danger of materialism. That is this. He thinks material riches will quench his thirst, but he will thirst again. Remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. Everyone who drinks from this well shall thirst again. The man who trusts in money and worldly honor and position is like a man who drinks salt water. He's always thirsty. The truth is he shall not be satisfied. The danger of materialism is boredom. Go and talk to rich people who have all kinds of things and kids who are born in rich homes. Go and speak to them. They are suffering from the disease called boredom. He must have new things, new toys, because the toys of yesterday bores him. He must have new clothes of today, new wives, new husbands, new perversions to keep him excited. These worldly things plunge a person into the ocean of boredom. And not only is that the danger of materialism is such a person has no friend. They are without friends. They are full of people. They will throw party every day but there is no friend. Because friends come so called to get his money. They are not true friends. They come to get money, to get influence. They are with you to use you. And you go and talk to rich people and they'll tell you they are in loneliness. Lonely, lonely, lonely. Listen to what Jesus says about danger of materialism. 
In other words, it perishes and it spoils. He says in John 6 and verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus Christ came to give us food that will not spoil, not perish, but truly satisfies an individual. And so if you read this passage in the Greek, he says, Stop! Storing up treasures upon the earth. Stop it. I see you are doing it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. He says. Because it will result in your total frustration. Vanity. Vanity. Meaningless. Meaningless. These things are transient. There is no transcendence in it. It suffers spoilage. It will perish. It will disappear. And frustration will be your lot. Isaiah said this long ago, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 2, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy you? God is looking at us and says, you know, you are wasting your life. You are wasting your labor. You are wasting. You are wasting. But I see that you are not satisfied. And he says, why do you do that? Why do you do that, he says. Danger of materialism, I already said, he chokes you. Worry, riches, pleasures, and a commitment to it finally chokes you. And as I listen and I see the languages of the earth, I'll talk about the latest food, latest restaurant, latest clothes, latest car, latest everything. It chokes worries and riches and pleasures. Let me give you some examples of people who were worldly. First of all, Esau. You see, what did he do? He sold his birthright. He sold spiritual realities. He said, give me that soup. One cup of soup is good enough. And he ate it. And he wiped his face. And the text says he despised spiritual realities. Look at Achan. Achan was told not to take any treasure that was forbidden. The word was clear. The gospel was declared to him. But you see, he doesn't want to listen to the gospel. He is a materialist. And he saw a beautiful Babylonish garment. And he saw some gold. And he saw some silver. And he coveted it. And he took it. And he hid it. And he was killed. Materialist. He despises the gospel. Look at the character by name Gehazi. It's interesting. Uh, read Second Kings chapter 5 because this country now filled with Gehazi ministry. Do you know what a Gehazi ministry is? I'll tell you what a Gehazi ministry is. Gehazi ministry is running after Naaman to collect some expensive clothes and a talent of silver. Running after And there are so many Gehazi preachers in the world. They are not even running after Naaman who happened to be a rich person. But they are running after poor people in the evangelical churches. Sucking up their money. 
They are Gehazi ministry. Let me tell you such ministers also not only gather these riches. But their soul is lean and there is leprosy in their hearts. As they accumulate wealth and cover it by some theological proposition. That God's people must be very rich and famous. It's a new discovery. Gehazi. Oh he was a disciple of Elisha. He could have functioned in his room when Elisha died. <laughs> but you see his heart is for material things. He's a materialist. You can be in the church and be a materialist. You can sing and you can hear the word of God preached. You can read the word and yet the heart will be a materialist heart. That is the tragedy of Gehazi. Read it says he ran after And Jesus said the Gentiles run to these things. But he said you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Number four look at the Gadarenes. You remember Jesus went to the land of Gadara. And there was a man filled with legion of demons. And he was totally healed. Demons were cast out. He was naked. But now you see him dressed and sitting down, calm, and also in his sound mind. God saved this man. He wanted to follow Jesus wherever he went. He said, no, you go to your family in the Decapolis and declare to them what God has done for you. But you see, the Gadarenes finally heard the news and they came. And they pleaded with Jesus and said, please get out of our country. We love pigs. We are materialists. We are not interested in the kingdom of God and salvation through Jesus Christ and spiritual health. We don't want it. Please leave us. Isn't that what we also sometimes say? Leave us, Jesus, alone. Let me make some money. Let me ask you, when you go to school, what is motivating you? Some of you are students. And let me really ask you, what is in the depth of your being? And what is in your heart if you are a materialist? And there shall be no transcendence and no eternal significance. Mrs. Lot, we heard about that this morning, we read. She was brought out of Sodom. And said, free, do not turn back. But she is a materialist at heart. And she did turn back and became a pillar of salt. Learn from these biblical passages that it is absolutely dangerous to be a materialist. Matthew 19, we have the rich young ruler, a fine fellow, you know. Probably inherited a lot of money. And uh, he was a materialist at heart. And he came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, fine. Keep the commandments. Well, fine. I said, he said, go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And you will have treasure in heaven. And he went away pretty sad. Why? He was a materialist materialist he refused he preferred riches on the earth to treasures in heaven he made a real choice 
And look at number seven, Judas. You know him. Like Gehazi, he was the disciple and the apostle of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He heard the gospel. He saw miracles. He was a witness to all these things. And yet at heart, he was a covetous man. He was a greedy man. He was a worshiper of creation rather than creator. So what did he do? He sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and suffered total damnation. Finally, let me tell you about treasure and heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, you could cover it up with some spiritual terminologies and all that, but there is a connection between your treasure and heart. A treasure is that which you value most. And let me tell you, everyone has treasures. Even the poorest of the poor have treasures. Either you, your treasure is on earth or your treasure is in heaven. And let me tell you, depending upon the location of your treasure, the condition of your heart will be. Like the sunflower turns toward the sun, your heart will surely turn toward your treasure, either on earth or toward heaven. If your treasure is on earth, your mind, that is the heart, your mind will think in reference to earthly things. You talk about earthly things. Let me ask you, what are you talking about and what are you thinking about? That's part of the heart. Vacation, children, sex, food, houses, cars, work, boyfriend, girlfriend, education, investment. What are you talking about? You'll be talking about your treasure. Out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. If your treasury is on earth, you love the things of the earth. Your affections are for the things of the earth. And when you speak about it, you know that your delight is in it. If your treasury is on earth, your will is to will the things of the earth. You decide and act in favor of the things of the earth. If your treasure is on the earth, your eye is not single. Meaning it is not healthy. It has blurred vision due to cataracts or worldliness. You are double-minded and unstable in all your ways. Your so-called light within you will be darkness on the last day and it will be great darkness. Oh, that is the greatest tragedy is to pretend that we are spiritual, but on that day, God will tell us, depart from me, I never knew you. That's the greatest tragedy. If your treasure is on the earth, you may speak of freedom and security, but in truth, you are not free at all. You are governed by the totalitarian master called mammon. Money, power, influence, position, honor. You are merely a slave, owned totally by worldliness. Let me read to you what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones tells us, a story in his commentary. Listen to Lloyd-Jones. I remember once hearing a preacher tell a story which he assured us was simple, literal truth. 
It illustrates perfectly the point which we are considering. It is the story of a farmer who one day went happily and with great joy in his heart to report to his wife and family that their best cow had given birth to twin calves, one red and one white. And he said, you know, I have suddenly had a feeling, an impulse that we must dedicate one of these calves to the Lord. We will bring them up together and when the time comes we will sell one and keep the proceeds and we will sell the other and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. His wife asked him which he was going to dedicate to the Lord. There is no need to bother about that now, he replied. We will treat them both in the same way. And when the time comes, we will do as I say. And off he went. In a few months, the man entered his kitchen, looking very miserable and unhappy. When his wife asked him what was troubling him, he answered, I have bad news to give you. The Lord's calf is dead. But she said, you had not decided which was to be the Lord's calf. Oh, yes, he said, I had always decided it was to be the white one. And it is the white one that has died. The Lord's calf is dead. And now, Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, we may laugh at the story. But God forbid that we should be laughing at ourselves. It is always the Lord's calf that dies. When money becomes difficult, the first thing we economize on is our contribution to God's work. It is always the first thing to go. Perhaps we must not say always, for that would be unfair. But with so many, it is the first thing. And the things we really like are the last to go. You see, the slavery of riches. And let me ask you while you are rising, are you a slave? Are you bored? Are you dissatisfied? Are you laboring for bread that spoils? Is your vision blurred? Are you frustrated? Are you without true friends? Are you cumbered about many things? Can you say to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Are you ready to die? And do you long to die? Remember Jesus. He who was rich became poor. That you who are poor might become rich. He desires us to be truly rich in the things that will not spoil, fade, perish. Things that abide. Things that satisfy. Our hearts are restless. Unless they find true riches in God. Remember what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water. Welling up to eternal life. And it is he who said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things. Will be added unto you. Or listen to Isaiah. In the Old Testament. 
telling us, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of faith. Hallelujah. What does he require that we should do in order to have riches? He says, let the wicked forsake his way. And the evil man, his thoughts, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Ask yourself, are you a Gehazi? Are you the rich young ruler? Are you a materialist? Ask yourself. Do you see clearly? Can you agree with St. Paul? He says, what is seen is temporal. And what is not seen but perceived by faith is eternal. Hallelujah. Are you frustrated? (laughs) Are you anxious and fearful? Are you ready to die? You see, when we have true riches in heaven... We are unafraid to die because death puts us in the closest proximity to heavenly treasures that delights our soul forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have a problem with materialism, (laughs) raise your hand and ask God to help you to be delivered from the things of this world. Totally delivered. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray for all of us. Deliver us today from the grip, from the grasp of materialism, worship of creation, that we may be delivered to serve the true and living God, that we may serve Heavenly Father, that we may worship him and pray to him. Hallelujah. That we may delight in him. Hallelujah. That we may seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first and all these things shall be added unto you and we praise you for sending your son who died on the cross for our sins. Hallelujah. Thank you for granting us repentance and faith to trust in Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. That we may eat of the living bread and be satisfied. That we may drink of the living water and totally refresh now and forevermore. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.